Yo, 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 what's cooking? We have another episode here. Um, we skipped Thanksgiving, so I hope y'all had a happy Thanksgiving and ate a lot of turkey or, I mean, at least by yourself, maybe with your family if you decided to do that. It's completely up to you, but, you know, I'm here today with Henny. How's it going, Henny? Yeah, it's going well. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Um, obviously, took the week off for be with our families and then coming back to talk some more baseball. Really kind of try to wrap up this year. Uh, and then get us ready for next season, which hopefully goes off without a hitch. I mean, this year they did a really good job with all the COVID stuff. Hopefully it kind of continues that way uh, in the in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're going to be kind of wrapping up basically every division of this past year. So we're going to be having uh, the Nanel Central starting this one off because, I mean, honestly, our two favorite teams are, that are near and dear to our heart are in that division. We know the best. And also, it's just a good starting place. And also, I mean, it won a Twitter poll. So, I mean, Twitter tells us what to do. Um, if anybody else has any ideas, shoot us a message on Twitter. I mean, I, we might take a crack at it. Who knows? But we can go ahead and start this one off here. And I think that it's kind of interesting to see the Chicago Cubs. They uh, got first place last year. And I think that it's going to be a hotly contested division going forward. But I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up that pace. I mean, somebody else here probably might agree. But I think there's probably a dark horse in this that, I, that we thought was a dark horse this year and that's the Reds I don't know how do you feel about the NL Central this past year and then also going forward I mean I think going forward Cubs fan not Cubs fan doesn't matter the Cubs are gonna be able to compete considering they competed this year and a lot of their guys that they're counting on to be big offensive performers didn't really have a great season and, and those guys are still returning and given that they could play up the expectations they're supposed to I don't really see much of a drop-off, but the only issue is in the NL Central, it's still going to be a hotly contested top, really top three teams between the Cubs, Cardinals, Reds, Milwaukee. Three of those teams are typically going to be playoff teams. Maybe you might be able to sneak a fourth one in there, but at least three of those teams, from honestly, from the standards of the way they played this year, the players are bringing back, the new players they're getting, those three teams and maybe even four – are going to be playoff contenders because they just this is a very difficult division to play baseball in. Uh, you got the top four teams, and even Pittsburgh's got a couple can surprise people. They got a couple good pitchers on their staff, uh, but I mean outside of that, it's going to be a, a tightly contested division for a long time. I feel like just because there's not a lot of really older veteran players that aren't going to be disappearing soon. It's a lot of younger guys on most of the top four teams. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of question marks with each team, uh, except Pittsburgh. But I Pittsburgh mean, is full of question marks. It could it could just change at any given point. I think the Cardinals are going to play the same Cardinal baseball they've been playing over the past like seven years, where it's going to be super uninspiring, kind of boring. Either the pitching is going to be really good and the hitting is going to be really bad, or the pitching is going to be really bad and the hitting is going to be really good. Honestly, no clue what's going to go on there. Um, one bright spot will be Dylan Carlson. It looked like uh, whenever he first came up, didn't really know what was going on. I mean, to be expected, top prospect, a lot of pressure on him. I think he felt that. And then also the difference in the level of play, that's a huge thing. And I also, I mean, he wasn't playing in the minor leagues this year because there was no minor league baseball. So that kind of added up against him. He went back down to like the training camp that they had established, and then he came back up. He did pretty well. So I think he'll be a bright spot for the Cardinals. But other than that, like, with some of the players they're going to have leaving, which we're going to talk about later. Um, a lot of question marks. And I think the Cubs are also in the same boat. And I think that maybe the Reds might have the most to win in this division. They pick up one or two people. They're well, definitely going to be in a discussion. 
the big question mark for the Reds is if they can get Trevor Bauer to come back. I don't know if they need him. I think that's a big question mark because if they do, that is going to be the top team in the NL Central next year. I honestly hey, do man. believe that. But if they lose him, it's going to be back to that same kind of dilemma they were in this year where it's just going to be a dogfight between the top couple teams. Mm-hmm. Whereas Trevor Bauer really put them over the top. He put just about any team over the top, to be completely true. honest. That's definitely true. Um, being a top pitcher like he was, and we can talk about him a little bit more here in a little bit too, but I think that there's a lot of question marks going forward. I don't know if this is going to be the best division in baseball, but it's going to be the most hotly contested because nobody's really going to run away with it, and the only team that's really going to fall behind is Pittsburgh. But we can hop in here to our it's like pretty much what we analyze is like some of the top players this year and kind of like the best stories to come out of the NL Central. And I'm going to let you take off number one because I know he's on your favorite team. So, Yeah, obviously a guy that needs to be talked about a lot and was a really good pitcher, kind of just had to find a home somewhere and kind of feel more comfortable where he was. I didn't really feel very comfortable the first couple of years, but it's you Darvish with the with Chicago Cubs, obviously. Uh, just been very, very elite in a lot of categories where you love to see it. His He didn't walk a lot of guys. He spun his fastball, spins at one of the highest rates in the MLB. Great strikeout percentage and not, not like a phenomenal barrel percentage, but he does not allow a ton of barrels when he's pitching as well. Uh, obviously, he had the great Ex Boba, it's in the 87th percentile in the MLB. That's that's a stat that you love to see, and the ERA is was incredible this year. Uh, he pitched to a uh, where is it 201 ERA, which is phenomenal. I mean, obviously it's lower than his, it's much lower than his career average at 347. Uh, obviously, you got the the pitch mix that he has. He throws six different pitches. And he can all throw them all pretty effectively as well, and it really does help him in order to be a very complete pitcher. And it's very difficult to put the ball in play off him. And that's just kind of one thing that you really like to talk about. And and obviously we can go back and we can talk about how the fact that he has been really successful since about the middle of last year. Mm-hmm. That's when you kind of saw that switch when he got to Chicago in the middle of next last year. And uh, I'd kind of like to see if he would be growing next year. I think he will. He'll just keep on – Staying on this pace, he's, he's, he's got the type of stuff in order to increase his potential because it's really hard to pick him up because he throws so many different pitches. You really don't know what's coming at you, and he throws all of them in, in basically every single count. Yeah, no, um, I completely agree with that. I think that something about him that kind of has intrigued me is the fact of his injuries. And I don't know – if he ever felt comfortable since being in Texas, because I think that was like originally his first home and he was feeling pretty comfortable there, uh, feeling good. Then he got injured. And after he got injured, he didn't really look as comfortable and didn't really seem to be the same type of pitcher. Went to LA and he was, I mean, he was a pretty good pitcher. I mean, minus a little bit of the postseason there, he was a pretty good pitcher. And I just think that he wasn't really 100% comfortable. And I think you saw it last year in the middle of the season. Like, something clicked. He finally got comfortable. I think the injury, fatigue, whatever you would call that, wore off. And he took off. He stopped walking people, which, honestly, if you think about walking people, you know, that's what we tell all pitchers. Just don't walk anybody and you'll be fine. Just just throw strikes. But at the end of the day, like, that's way harder than it is, like seems because you just can't do that. Like, you have to work really, really hard at doing that. It's like telling a guy, you know, hey, this is a part three. Just get a hole in one. You can do it. You can just put it right in there. No, not at all. 
it's not going to happen every single time, and you're going to get lucky most of the time sometimes. Well, the thing about that is it's really hard because essentially if you're thinking about it, especially a guy with you, Darvish, there's not a lot of hard contact. Mm -hmm. In order to score a run off him, you have to hit three to four base hits in a row. It's hard. Realistically. And to be able to do that against even an average pitcher in the MLB is a very diff It's a very tall ask. It's not sure. something that comes easily just being able to find holes because especially with the Cubs defensively, I mean, they, they were the platinum glove team this year. Mm -hmm. They had the best defensive team in the MLB. Doesn't hurt. Or in the NL side of the MLB, I guess it was technically. But if you just – and he didn't have as many strikeout numbers as he has had, especially in Texas when he was just – lighting up the, the radar at like 100-plus every pitch, just striking everybody out. His strikeout numbers might not have been the best, but they were still really effective striking guys out. And then on top of that, whenever he did put the ball in play, it was weak contact. And, you know, with, with Javier Baez at shortstop, it's pretty nice to have that <laughs> behind you as well. Exactly. I think that's like a huge thing. That the defense definitely does help him a lot. And... I, I just think that he's been pretty solid. I think that he's kind of like focused a little bit more on trying to let the guys hit the ball and trying not so much to just blow past them. Because I feel like, especially whenever he was playing, um, it was in Japan, right? Yes. Whenever he's playing in Japan, I mean, not many people are going to be able to hit him. He was too good. It's like kind of like Shohai. Like, he's too good. Like, he's going to overpower everybody and he's going to bulk up and try to throw a bayou and not try to just make you hit a weak hit ground ball to shortstop for an easy out because a lot of times pitchers just decide that they're not trying to um, go about just striking people out because striking people out at the end of the day it's kind of it's kind of overrated because it's three pitches but if you get a ground ball to shortstop that could be one two pitches and you, that's way quicker and that helps you out in the long run and also gets rid of injuries um and kind of like a little cool uh statistic here pitchers that have been similar to you darvish um yeah Jack Flaherty, my boy, from 2019. Sonny Gray, 2019. And also Hector Neris. There's three relievers. Yeah, three little relievers. Uh, Tawny Canley and Oliver Drake. Uh, those, are, that's, those are pretty cool names. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that all works, but I think it's pretty cool. And I think it's pretty cool that um, some of these stats, because uh, just perusing around baseball savant, you look at like some of his like fastball spin ratios. Like Those are elite. And that's probably the main reason why he's so successful because it's really hard to hit the ball well off of him because of how well he spins it. And pretty much creates a heavy fastball. And honestly, I look forward to this guy, especially in the future, because I feel like he's going to be kind of the same MO as Scherzer as long as he doesn't get injured. Um, he's going to be the same MO, be a good pitcher, probably get better over time. Um, lose the velo a little bit, but he's just still going to be a It's dropped pitcher. every year since 2016. Yeah, he's, but he's still going to be solid. Like, he's not going to be... Velo isn't the end of the world because his 16th percentile Velo is still 94-95. Exactly. Like Mark Burley, you know, 83 miles an hour at the end of his career. That, or, you know, Dan Aaron. But... Um, <laughs> I <laughs> we, throw 88. <laughs> I, I threw 88 on Twitter. <laughs> what a guy. Um, we can talk about the next guy who... I was considering kind of like a good story for this year, Paul Goldschmidt, because last year, like, he really didn't seem to be one of the best players in the Cardinals, and he really just didn't seem like he was worth it for Carson Kelly and also Luke Weaver. Kind of seemed like the Cardinals got shorted on that deal, but this year he kind of was the glue to the team a little bit, batting 304, 417 on base percentage, and also he had a lot of, like, 
pretty high up their um, percentile ratings as the X batting average. So it's expecting batting average in the 87th percentile and his expected Wobo was in the 94th percentile, which means he was doing things pretty much right because I think it was probably comes from the fact that he was uh, being very patient at the plate, probably got back to his roots a little bit. And also, you know, like that really comes down to the fact that he was waiting for his pitch. So that means he's going to hit the ball a lot better whenever he finds a pitch that he likes. I think that if he is just this kind of player over the next, you know, like three or four years, this trade's definitely worth it. Does it help the Cardinals in the long run? I mean, you saw the offense times, like, especially in the postseason, they just don't know how to swing a ball out of bat. They're like, oh, what's that? I'm allergic to hitting a baseball. But I don't know. How do you feel about Paul Goldschmidt going forward? I mean, I've always thought Paul Goldschmidt's a really good baseball player, and clearly he is. He's been one of the best first basemen in the league for a long time. But I just kind of see him – he could – he's – I kind of see him as at the point in time kind of like where uh, uh, Albert Pujols is right now, kind of. Hmm. Where he might not be the most elite hitter in the world, but he's going to get the job done. He's going to be successful, and he's really going to help your team in the long run win games and be successful as a team, even if he's not always having that same success. Which just kind of comes with age. Obviously, he's, he's getting older. Uh, but he's still going to be one of those guys that really helps your team be successful. And it's a guy – it's kind of like a guy that you need on your roster. Obviously, you just saw that – me and him were just looking at the stat. Uh, his exit velocities are dropping. His average velocities are all dropping off the bat. Uh, hitting – finding less barrels. But he's still being really successful. And that's, that's kind of like what you want to see out of a guy that's 33 years old and really is kind of the leader of your clubhouse. Exactly. Like, I would rather have a guy who is going down on, like, an elite career and he's just going to be good comparatively to a guy who you're really going to have to overspend on to get, like, an elite player who is consistently elite. Because in all reality, how good is Carson Kelly going to be? Was he going to play? I mean, now there's questions because Molina might leave. And also... How good was Luke Weaver going to be? Like, is he going to be able to be sustainable? There's a lot of question marks there. And if you get this guy like Paul Goldschmidt, like, there's no question he's going to be a good player. But is he going to be elite? And if he is elite, all right, that's that's amazing. But other than that, I don't know. But I think that if he continues this going forward, I think it might be a pretty interesting watch for the Cardinals. And especially if you get him at a uh, three or four position in the lineup and you get Carlson going, Cardinals might be looking a little bit more dangerous next year. And then, I mean, honestly, just Trevor Bauer. I don't know what else we really need to say about Trevor Bauer. Um, His name God. is Trevor Bauer, and he might God. be one of the best pitchers in the MLB for the next 10 years. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> just, like, one-word answers, God, um, Dad, um, Lit. I, I, I don't know what else you could use to describe. Like, favorite Dominant. Play, favorite player with no space. Dominant. Dominant. Dude, like, unreal. Um, driveline throw driveline out there because obviously it works it 100 works and if you commit to the system and you're meant to be in that system it 100 works and it shows right now with trevor bauer because he's just been dominant i i think ever since his time in cleveland like i was really high on him because he could have been a Cy Young contender back then but then he got injured in the middle of the season fell out of the race and then he kind of like was struggling around there a little bit had a little bit of frustration i think that the cleveland indians didn't want him to be himself and the Reds said, just go out there and be yourself, man. Like, do whatever you need to do. Win his games. That uh, sounds about right with him. And, I mean, there's nothing else we're going to talk about. 
there's nothing else you can talk about that you guys don't already know with him, to be honest. And then we're going to jump into Pittsburgh. Not a lot of bright spots. Not a great <laughs> Very year. little. But Key Brian Hayes was definitely a bright spot for him. I believe this was his rookie year in the MLB, if I'm not wrong. Yes. Yes, he's a rookie out of Concordia Lutheran High School in Texas. First round, he drafted, got drafted back in 2015, so it took him a while to get to the pros. But it looks like it was worth the wait because he was pretty successful this year. Um, obviously, we're, we're high on him. We think he's going to be a good player. He was batting 376, whatever, five home runs and 85 at-bats, 32 hits. Was getting on base at a very high clip, too. His on base percentage was over 440. Uh, just kind of a guy that you really do want to see grow as a player. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say because, I mean, he has a small sample size. But from what we saw, it was a pretty good indication that they might have a player on their hands to complement Josh Bell. So they may have that 3 4 combo. I mean, other than that, there's really not much more to say about them because at the end of the day, I. I don't really know. You traded away some of your best players to get questionable players in return. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyler Glasnow, like, you would have been a serviceable player. You traded away Garrett Cole. You could have probably got some supplementary picks for him if you didn't trade him away. Um, honestly, their front office has kind of ran away with that organization kind of turning in the wrong direction. That shows that sometimes being hyperactive in the trade market really isn't the best for your team. But um, with this kid, Brian Hayes, maybe this is the start of something new. Um, unless they trade him away too, which they might, they might take the Miami Marlins approach, which you just trade away good players. You just say, ah, we don't yeah, want Yeah, that worked out pretty well for Miami. But the only thing I do want to point out about Hayes is that he's only 23 years old too. He's okay. got a lot of time to still grow into the player that they kind of expect him to be. He was drafted in the first round, obviously, for a reason, mm-hmm. and you kind of want to see where he goes. Uh, for the next one, before you go into the negative side of it, um, <laughs> I'm going to come out with a, with a bright spot for the Brewers. That's Devin, Devin Williams. Uh, true, true. Reliever. He had a great season. I don't you know, what do you throw, like 28 innings, I believe it was. 23, 28 innings, something like that. Uh, kids out of – he actually grew up in Florissant, Missouri. He did. Uh, right down the road from us today. He really was very successful in the time he was there. Obviously, he gave up, what, one run in 27 innings? <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> under anybody's estimation, that's, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, unfortunately, that one run came in a loss. It's tough, but... Um, <laughs> but that's the way things go when you're a back-end reliever. <laughs> 22 games, 27 innings, 53 strikeouts. <laughs> you can't really ask for much more out of a reliever. Uh, the thing I found interesting is that the most the pitch he threw the most was a changeup this year. Uh, he threw a changeup more than any other pitch, and that's, that's really not something that you see a lot of. No. Especially out of a reliever, typically see a lot of fastball slider, mm-hmm. and that's and he doesn't really have even like a slider or a changeup that he really throws a lot. Uh, it's mostly it's four seam fastball, couple sinkers, a ton of changeups, and the occasional cutter. That's kind of the mix that he's been going with, and it was very effective for him. Obviously, a young guy, he's going to grow a lot. Maybe he does develop that pitch like a slider, because I don't I don't know how successful you'll be with just a fastball and changeup out of the back end of a bullpen. Uh, but according to if, – if you look at his stats from last year, you definitely can be. But if you add to that third mix, he can be a 3-4 inning guy, it looks like, for them. And he's, he really wasn't that guy for them that often. Maybe you develop even further and you can maybe even be a starter in the long run. Um, I guess I got kind of a question to you is, like, 
you see a lot of pitchers with those, like, yeah, like you mentioned, like they have that one really good pitch, like a slider or a curveball. Do you think breaking balls are traditionally better, or do you feel like fastballs are better or changeups are better for a pitcher out of the bullpen? Because, I mean, I feel like almost fastball in general, you have to throw over 95 to be out of the bullpen, so it's kind of like yeah. not, not really a factor. I, but. I think the best pitch out of the bullpen, personally, is like a wipeout slider. Mm-hmm. I think that is the most unhittable pitch when you're already sitting one on one, one on two, and you got a slider coming in at ninety one, ninety two now, a la Aroldis Chapman. Mm-hmm. That's an unbeatable combo. It really is, unless True. you're a Jose Altuve, you know it's coming. <laughs> That's about the only reason why you should ever hit that. But if you have that, and then I think out of a starter. If you have a devastating changeup, it's one of the more deadly pitches in the game. Look at Kyle True. Hendricks. Kyle True. Hendricks can't throw past. Example, exactly. He tops up at, usually he tops at around 89, 88 in a normal game. Yeah. He can occasionally hit in low 90s. If he wants to. And then he throws that 79 to 81 mile per hour changeup that just gets everyone swinging over the top of. And you can't hit really effectively no. against him. No. And he really doesn't throw a lot of other off-speed stuff. It's really those two are his big mix. With the occasional like cutter to like throw off of the fastball, or like a curveball every once in a while as well. But hmm. like when you have a guy like that, a starter with a good changeup can really screw over a lineup. I agree. I think that something that I disagree on a little bit is I think the changeup is probably the best pitch in the game. I think that most people in general really don't value what a changeup can add because a good changeup is better than any other pitch you can have. Um, yeah, I don't care if you throw 102 all the time, unless you're throwing, you know, Jordan Hicks, change-up, sinker, fastballs, which, okay, then again, like, it kind of goes in the movement. I feel like that arm side run really adds something that most people really just can't hit because that's, that's kind of hard. Like, a curveball is kind of predictable. It's slower, so you're going to be able to see it. I don't really think a curveball is that good of a pitch unless you're talking about Kershaw. And then slider, I mean, sliders are good. But I feel like if you have a really good changeup, and the thing is, it's really hard to have a good, good changeup because like not everybody can have it. You can have a serviceable one and throw it, but you're not going to have a Kyle Hendricks changeup. Kyle Hendricks is honestly the creme de la creme of changeups. Like at the end of the day, like that dude just—he, I don't know what he does, but it's amazing. Like I mean, obviously it's probably his nerd math he knows in his head. <laughs> he probably says if I just. If I can tort this ball at approximately 42 degrees to the left as I it's use my formation. Brain. <laughs> and that's why he probably throws like 92 like in one game. Like somebody will make him mad. They'll be like, nerd. And be like, I'll show you a nerd. So you can't throw 92. And then he'll just throw that devastating changeup again. And just. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck trying to hit that. Like you, you walk up to the plate knowing he doesn't really throw many strikes like in the zone. But you still swing anyway because that pitch looks so good. And the moment he thinks that you think that you're thinking that their ball is going to be outside the zone. Oh, that's a 89 mile an hour fastball right outside corner. Mm, goodbye. Yeah. Sit back down on the bench. So I think that that's probably one of the most effective pitches, but I definitely agree that Devin Williams, he's going to be a guy to watch in the future. I mean, also St. Louis boy. So um, I think that's a interesting story to follow. Not an interesting story, or maybe an interesting story, is Christian Yelich. Did he fall off this season? I mean, I don't know. Um, it's Once again, it's a short season, 200 at-bats, but that's a pretty good sample, I feel like, for what you would say in a season. Because, like, if you're batting 205, how much more are you going to get that batting average up over the course of another, like, 400 at-bats? It would be another 100 games. Yeah, <laughs> you would have the opportunity to probably get it up probably, like, maybe, like, 260. But then again, like... 
are we talking like that's still a big time failure on his part? I feel like what he was doing was he was kind of like swinging for the fences more. Well, that's clear. His exit velocity was the highest. Yeah. He was 99 percentile for exit velocity. He was trying to drive the baseball, which is what his job was. Um, I think that I kind of disagree with you on this one, honestly. I don't think he fell off. I just think that he got unlucky a lot this year. Yeah. And because he was hitting the ball hard. And at the end of the day, not all is going to drop, especially when you're hitting the ball as hard as he is and he's swinging for the fences. Yeah. When you miss it by even that littlest bit, it just becomes a well-hit fly ball or yeah. a well-hit line drive to somebody, though. And he didn't have – he wasn't really gap-to-gap gap a lot this year. It was – straight at people and that's just more of getting unlucky in some instances as well so i don't think it's as much of a really a drop off i just think that uh it just comes with the game it's part of the game you're not always going to be able to do exactly what you want to do and i think the the perfect example of why it's not a drop off is one of his comparisons for similar batters this year his similar batter is kyle lewis you know what kyle lewis did over in the al he was the rookie of the year yeah pretty good so, if you really look at it, it, if a couple more of those drop, and now all of a sudden we're not talking about a 206. We're talking about a 240, 250 batting average. And we're saying there's not 100 games to go, maybe he didn't start off well. Are we sitting here having the same conversation that he fell off? The, uh, he fell off? I, I mean, I don't know if you can consider it an outlier. But his, the biggest thing for me is his K percentage and also his walk percentage. So... His K percentage went up, and also his walk percentage went up. So what that's signaling to me is he was in a lot more deep counts. And that's something that um, I'm looking into because I feel like if he's getting into more deep counts, which could be an indication of why he's hitting the ball harder because he's finding his pitch, but at what cost is that coming to? Because if you look at it, you know, you may be looking for your pitch, but then again, you get into an 0-2 count and you strike out. And... That may be something too. Or, you know, you get into a 3 0 count and you get walked. I feel like there has to be some give and take there. And, I mean, obviously, next year's going to be able to tell us whether that is, you know, an outlier or not. But with his ex Woba and his Woba all down, I mean, I feel like he obviously wasn't producing nearly as much. And whatever he was doing, he probably shouldn't be doing as much next year. Um, but we could probably say maybe it's an outlier. Just one season, a roll and shrug it off. But I think that's an interesting story to come up because he was heralded as, like, the MVP candidate this year. Him and Cody Bellinger, hands down. Nobody else was going to get it, and there was not another person in sight. And then kind of just he fell off the map a little bit. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, we're going to see what happens, honestly. We're going we're gonna to continue to see what happens with him over the next couple of years because, I mean, he's even though he's, you know, not necessarily the best player this year he ain't going anywhere no and i guess it's kind of like a freddie freeman instance but not really because i mean freddie freeman was an nl mvp but i mean did anybody really talk about freddie winning the mvp no and honestly that's kind of where you want to be you want to be that guy who's on the outside looking in because then you have the opportunity to go ahead and say well you know you know i was there but now i'm the mvp no pressure on you nothing you put all the pressure on yourself i think that's a good situation to be in but um, we can move on from that and talk about some of the potential changes that we can see into the division next year. I think um, one rule change that we're going to be seeing is there's not going to be a DH. So that's going to be pretty good uh, for a lot of NL traditional fans. 
but uh, bad for the people who like the runs going up on the scoreboard. <laughs> but I think that we're going to be having a lot of people moving out. I think the biggest one right now, Epstein, like not a player, but a GM. I think that's going to be a huge hole in the Cubs organization, but his impact's going to be felt for the next 10 to 15 years. And the only reason why I'm not really as nervous about this as I was before hmm. is because of the guy replacing him. And it's not really a huge change. It's, it's, it's Jed Hoyer. Mm-hmm. He's been under Theo Epstein since before he for, since before Chicago when he was in Boston. Exactly. They have been together basically this entire time. So basically, what all that Theo's doing is Theo's moving on and giving Jed a chance to build the team his way now. Mm-hmm. But it's really going to be built pretty close to what Theo Epstein would be doing in the first place. I feel like because that's that's Jed's style too. Jed and Theo had the same style, so that's not as big of an issue as it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I see that. Um, I don't think we're going to see a noticeable difference until the future. Like, I think for these next 10 years, Cubs are going to be a contender. They're going to be a good team. But I think, you know, I've seen he just realized that his strength isn't continuing a solid dynasty. It's building a dynasty. And he's going to go off somewhere else. And he's going to build another dynasty with an owner who wants to win more baseball games. And I think that's awesome. I think that's what you should do. And I think that the Cubs are going to notice his loss probably yeah, 10, 15 years. Whenever all the players he's got in kind of fade away, and the team's going to be a little more mediocre. Well, we're just going to see what – at that point, we're just going to see what Jed can do because I bet you it's still going to be Jed Hoyer at that point in time because – He won't be Epstein, though. You're not going <laughs> to fire – you're not going to fire a successful GM. Even no. if you're not really bringing in a bunch of guys. No. The, the, Jed, the Jed Hoyer era guys at the beginning of his career are going to be the Theo Epstein guys, like Javier Baez, all those guys. Mm-hmm. So – Sure, what you do with them, and we're gonna see what happens. Obviously, we already lost one from the Theo Epstein era. Uh, Kyle Schwarber's gone, for sure. Albo Amora is gone for sure. Even though that's less of a loss. Amora really kind of fell off. He was just kind of like a speedster, mm-hmm. defensive replacement guy. Couldn't get on base. And Ian Happ basically just straight up so won center field. He took center field, and he's gonna be there for a while because he is. He is a very good hitter and a switch hitter at that. You, you, he's an everyday guy, and you don't need a second center fielder anymore. Uh, so that's that's really the that was probably the decision making behind that. Um, with the Kyle Schwarber one, I could totally see Chris Bryant moving to left field permanently next year, but David Bote at third. Yeah, I could one hundred percent see that happening, uh, and wouldn't be that big of a drop off because. Schwarber was not that great of a defensive outfielder. He, he was there Borderline because <laughs> he was there because the fans loved him. He's a fan favorite and he's a pretty good hitter. At he, he's a really at good hitter. He's, he's a really good hitter. hitter. And I mean, Chris Bryant is probably the better defensive outfielder of the two. More athletic. He's more athletic. He's a little quicker, and he can read the ball a little better because you really have to be able to play third base, especially mm. on those fly balls to the corners. Yeah, like that's a tough play for a third baseman to make, and he's made quite a few. Obviously, he had to make a lot less with Javier Baez at shortstop, but he can still go make those plays. So that's the decision about letting Schwarber walk, even though obviously a lot of guys and a lot of people in Chicago are not going to be happy about that. Yeah, um, a lot of people aren't going to be happy about that. And honestly, I think Johnny Lusta, he's leaving too, right? Uh, haven't decided yet. They haven't. He was on his last year of his contract, so he could be gone. They don't have to resign him, but there's definitely a lot of conversation going on about whether they should resign him. Yeah, I think that, like, kind of only thing that hurts the Cubs, I think it's also Quintana is potentially out there as well, is how are they going to replace the pitching depth and what are they going to do with that aging staff they had? But I think, honestly, yeah, like, 
they're going to have all the capabilities to fill their holes. Like, they have a stacked team overall. Like, you think about some of the players they gave up, like Gleyber Torres and also Jorge Solar, and they just said, ah, oh, they're chump change. We don't even really care about them because we have so many other studs in this organization. It's, it's whatever. <laughs> but they're like the freaking billionaire just passing out a million dollars on a house. Like, hey, it's, it's chump change. It's whatever. But we can move on to the Cardinals here. Um, Cardinals have had some questionable decisions of late uh, with Colton Wong. First and foremost, I don't know why you would even let your best defensive player get on the market. Like That's something that completely shocks me, and that's something that I don't think many teams should do. And if they truly don't resign him, I think that's a big waste of talent, and that's a big mistake. Also, Yadier Molina. If you don't sign Yadier Molina, I think the fans are going to be pretty upset about that one because there's really nobody else left from that really solid team except Wainwright, and he's also on the market as well now. So you you physically told me you were no longer a Cardinals fan yes. if Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright leave this year. Yeah, because like at the end of the day, those have been two of my favorite players ever since I've been a kid. And if you have the opportunity to sign them, like they're not asking for like hundreds of millions of dollars, they're asking for like five to ten million dollars. We sign I mean, them. They could. <laughs> they, they could, and they have. Like I think Wainwright doesn't deserve that now. Like he could easily get like a seven million dollar contract and just walk away happy one two years and just say, hey, I want to retire a Cardinal. What if they both retire this year? Are you still a Cardinals fan? Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Like, so it's only if they resign to a different team. Yeah, and if. Okay. I mean, like, I could get away with Molina going to the Angels to be back with Pools. That's the only way I'm cool with that. And the only way I'd be cool with Wainwright leaving is if he goes to the Braves, where who actually drafted him in his hometown. He like, grew up with them. That would be absolutely awesome, and I'd be okay with that. But I think that the Cardinals need to reconsider what they're doing a little bit. Because, like, what are they doing? What's their strategy? They don't really have one. Like, they say, oh, defense is important, but we're willing to get rid of Colton Long. Like, he is the best defensive second baseman. And there's no one even close. No. There's 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 a lot of really good defensive second basemen. Obviously, DJ LeMay, he was a pretty t- talented second baseman. Uh, he's a better hitter. He can go, shoot. Yeah, he's a much better hitter. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot of second basemen that are better hitters than Colton Wong, though. But he's serviceable. He's a, he's an average hitter with phenomenal feeling talent. Exactly. I think that it's kind of like a miscalculation to do that because I mean honestly, who else is gonna play there? You're gonna have oh, you're gonna have Tommy Edmond or Matt Carpenter. Be, it's probably gonna be Edmond. Or Matt Carpenter. Oh geez. I mean, Jesus take the wheel in this situation. <laughs> but I, honestly the Cardinals will probably be fine. They'll probably get like eighty nine wins next year, be a playoff team. Losing the NLDS to some team barely because they can't score any runs and it should be the same story another year. But, you know, honestly, just think too much. And we could go on to the last one. I think the most interesting one is Trevor Bauer. Well, we got two from the the Reds. They're both pitchers. One of them's already out, but we'll talk about him in a second. Uh, Trevor Bauer doing something that really I don't think anybody's ever seen before. He's literally (laughs) pitching himself on Twitter right now. I He's love saying, it. hey, pitch me on why I should come to your team. And, it, I mean, fans responded. I mean, uh, I know there's a ton of fans from the Los Angeles Angels that have responded for sure. And I've seen that. And That'd be dangerous. <laughs> that would be a very scary team. Him and Shohai at the top of your rotation. You got Rendon Trout <laughs> at the 3-4 hole. You got Shohai batting probably like 5-6. Yeah. Oh, 
Shoot, who's their second baseman? What's his name? Oh yeah, David he, Fletcher. Who yeah. just he'll just he'll, he'll just walk up and go, hey. I remember I was talking a story. It was it was a story on Mike Trout talking. David Fletcher walks up and goes, hey, I'm just gonna I'm gonna hit a I'm gonna hit a weak fly ball wherever the first base defense is gonna drop in. And on the second pitch of his bat, does the exact thing he said. And Mike Trout goes, that's the best I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, most, but, most people are like, I'm going to hit a home run, but I don't know. over the first base, man. <laughs> but obviously, it's going to be very interesting to see how this Trevor Bauer situation plays out because I don't think he's going to resign until like two weeks before they have to report for pitchers and catchers. That's when he's going to resign because he's just going to draw it out because he doesn't care and he thinks it's hysterical. He's probably going to create like a YouTube series being like, I'm in LA today, baby. It's going to be his watchable momentum and it's just going to be him visiting every single team in the major leagues. He's going to do a ballpark tour. Yeah, and he's going to be like, oh, I visited you know, San Francisco today. San Francisco, they weren't willing to offer me any money. So, you know, screw them. I don't want them anyway. <laughs> I visited San Francisco. Uh, wasn't allowed inside the stadium because <laughs> COVID of COVID. We weren't allowed inside the stadium. Even though I had a damn mascot. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he just needs a stadium that he can just throw the ball out of. Like, just let him have like a, a target in center field for him to throw the ball out of, and he hits the target, <laughs> and the fans get like I don't know, free like beer. A, a free beer for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, like one free drink for the rest of the game. So he's a fan favorite. Comes out of his salary. I would love to see that. I think he would honestly take that deal. I don't think he would be upset about that deal. I think I he'd think like that. He would take that deal. He like, made the deal with Cincinnati for the the Budweiser deal with them. Yeah. That was hysterical. I think that if he says, like, okay, if I hit this target, you know, then I get free beer for everybody in the stands, like one free beer. Or if I hit it like ten times in the year, I don't know, you give me like another two million dollar raise. <laughs> Like, I don't know what team I would, would want love that. that. And then the other guy in Cincinnati I'd like to talk oh, about yeah. is Rizal Iglesias. It's a tough one. He just left. He's going to, I believe it is, the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, he got traded for, where's where's the trade offer? It was for Noah Ramirez, who really was not a great pitcher for, for them last year. He was very average at best, I guess you could yeah. say. Uh, just not really exactly something you want to see. And the Angels are getting cash considerations, but the Angels are also giving up a draft pick. I believe it is a – what is it? What round is it for the draft pick? Go, go back up. Oh, it's just – it got changed. It's just cash considerations, not war play with your name later, which is awesome because you get to keep on your draft picks. You get a top-tier closer in Rizzo Iglesias. He has been really, really successful with the Reds for – Quite some time now. I think it's two or three years where he's mm-hmm. been a really good closer for them. Uh, thirty years, thirty year old, and like we were talking about earlier, slider changeup for the for the two off speed pitches. And that's something that is going to be very successful for him, and it's going to really help drive up the value of that Angels organization. It's going to make them a better team. I feel like so. I'm I'm really excited to see what he does over there, especially considering you know if you shut him down and you keep it a tight game. Give Mike Trout a chance to bat with a tie game or one run lead. Good things are going to happen a lot. Yeah, I think that's a really good trade for them. And I honestly don't think it's that bad of a trade, probably for the Reds. I mean, I don't know if you really wanted to be there anymore. Maybe there's maybe something going on because I don't think you just trade a player like that for almost like an equal-ish kind of deal, unless you know, like he doesn't want to be there. Which, if he doesn't want to be there, then absolutely, yeah, no questions asked. Like. 
like the Cardinals deal with Stephen Piscotty whenever his mother was, you know, dying. Like that, that's that's a deal. Like yeah, that was okay. an awesome thing that the Cardinals did trading like, to the Oakland Athletics. That was awesome. Like no question. Like yeah, like you don't want to be here. That's fine. Like we'll figure something out and we'll make sure that both of us are happy because we're not here to like trap you into slavery. And I think that's like a really good thing that even talks to future players because maybe if they don't want to be there, it'd be like you know, there's always an out, their way out. You can go somewhere else. I don't care. And obviously with Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer is honestly the best marketing ploy ever because we let you be who you ever you want to be, and it really doesn't even matter. So I think that's kind of cool. And I think the last team, the last two teams, really Pirates and Brewers, really aren't losing many people. I mean, of note, Brewers. The only thing they're going to be losing their fans sobriety over this off season because I mean they live in Wisconsin, so they're probably going to be all drunk. Which amen to that. Shoot. And Pirates fans. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. You live right by the Miller Brewer Brewing Factory. It's awesome for you. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold. How would, it's how nice would you put up with you it? You got nice cold. You got, you got your own personal mini fridge right outside your front door. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think the Pirates fans are, uh, I don't think they know what the Pirates are right now. They're kind of focusing on the Steelers except for uh, maybe their first loss of the season. But, you know, hey, you know, go, go Steelers right Good now. Good for Alex Smith. <laughs> yeah, I mean. At least they have something to cheer for, right? They don't have the pit team, pit football team. They don't have oh, them. Boy. They don't have the Pirates. Oh boy. I mean, just, I mean, Penguins. Penguins. Yeah. Sid's still there. Yeah. But yeah, they're okay. They, yeah, they do have that. But they can't even go to games right now. How are they supposed to get drunk and yell at people, man? They do it from their own couches. They yell at their kids instead. <laughs> and then. I guess we only have one other thing left here. We can uh, say, who's your too early favorite for the NL Central? Oh, boy, way too early. But I still go – I'm going back to who I picked last year, I believe. Cincinnati. I think the Reds are going to come just out really hot. You're going to see Eugenio Suarez just swing the crap out of the bat. <laughs> You're going to see – Joey Votto kind of play up to the level he's been playing his entire career, get on base a ton because he is like the king of walking. It does. And just that pitching staff just carry them again. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I think the, the Brewers are going to be the team next year. All right. Brewers. I think Yelly's going to come back. He's going to be in a better mindset. He's going to hit a lot of bombs. I'm calling 47 home runs right now for next year for him. 315 average. Um, Are we sure there's going to be a whole 162-game schedule next year? <laughs> I sure hope so. If not, we'll prorate it to whatever <laughs> amount of games they're playing. But I really think that he'll he'll come back next year. I think they have a solid pitching staff. And they're not really losing many people. If they add a couple key pieces, you know, whatever that be, I think that, that might be really good for them because there's going to be a lot of opportunity. No, and Hader wasn't really even that good this year either. He so was, and he was very average for the bullpen. He lost him a couple games. He, did. he was very average at best as a reliever. Yeah. The only the only question mark I really have with Milwaukee is what what sort of depth can you get behind Brandon Woodruff at, at the starting rotation? Because Brandon Woodruff is a dog, Stun. and he is going to be a number one pitcher in Milwaukee for years because he is a pitcher that can go out there and win you a baseball game. True. But besides him, who else do you really have in that rotation? And if you can answer that question mark. There is very few real question marks on the Milwaukee Brewer lineup card. Their bullpen is pretty good. Their starting rotation is really good. I just got Lorenzo Cain as well, who's just a freak. He's bad. 
He's always been good. Yeah, but like the question really becomes, what can you get out of Corbin Burns, Hauser, Anderson? What can you really get out of those three? And and that's kind of always been the question. Corbin Burns had a really good year, so mm-hmm. you got that kind of one-two combo. Obviously, he's young. He's twenty-five. Can he keep up with what he did? We'll see. Uh, Adrian Hauser, kind of all around. He's he can be a good pitcher. We've seen it before, but what is he going to be able to give in the future? And then Brett Anderson as well, kind of that veteran presence. Yeah, I think there's a lot of question marks. I think they have a lot of guys who could probably come in and be able to do something else um, and add a little bit of value. I think honestly my underdog because they're not really losing a terrible amount. And most of their key players are going to keep. And that's usually a sign of a pretty solid team. Like they just had a bad year. And I think that if you wanted to have a bad year, then last year was kind of the year to have it. Because, I mean, it's only 62 games. You can just brush those games off, roll on to the next year. So, you know what? Didn't matter anyway. We can put an asterisk next to the Dodgers World Series because, you know, they didn't win under a fair season. Just kidding. <laughs> I'll take that away from any Dodgers fans. I what sound, is wrong with you? I sound like a Dodgers fan talking about the Astros, but the Astros <laughs> Yeah, but an the biggest difference is that, you know, the Astros may or may not have actually cheated. Allegedly. Allegedly. Fake news. If you ask an Astros fan, it's allegedly. It's allegedly. No proof until we allegedly cheated. <laughs> that TV, that that TV in the back hallway was for something else. Our yeah. players wanted to watch a movie. MLB the show. Our 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 DH wanted to watch movies in between at bats. It was MLB the show. They were simulating the game just to see what potential pitches they could get off the potential pitcher. No, no correlation. There's no correlation here. Just we did we did not have baseball relations with that TV. The garbage can was just our employee throwing up and banging the side of all he was puking. That was just the, Carlos Zambrano's the amount, of, the amount of... No, that would be if it was a water cooler. No, no. He, he's evolved. He, he's understa- evolved. he understands that people need to drink water. So he, he said, I'm going to do something that nobody really cares about. He's going to be at the trash can. As Forky would say, I'm trash. That's also what Carlos Zambrano is. And on that note, thank you guys for tuning in. <laughs> and we're going to talk to you guys later. Uh, make sure you guys keep on... Keep it in touch with us on Twitter if you guys have any questions. We'll have anything you really want us to talk about for you guys. Uh, We'd love to chat, uh, so let us know. Dilly dilly, until next time. And honestly, screw the asterisks.